It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Up next on Inside the SCCA, talking FE2 racing with Kelton Jago. On this week's episode of Inside the SCCA, we're talking with a guy from the Army, thank you for your service, who fell in love with motorsports while in the Army doing training uh, in cars at different schools. He started his SCCA journey in 2013, eventually making his way to FE2, where he has several race wins uh, and several more podium finishes on top of that. He's also involved with Racing for Heroes, and he's a Washington, D.C. region member. Please join me in welcoming Kelton Jago. How you doing, Kelton? I'm doing good. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Good morning. It's dark and early here on the West Coast. You're on the East Coast, so not quite so early there. I appreciate you getting up and doing this with us. So we, we connected through through our our club's SCCA, the official SCCA Facebook page. And uh, you uh, mentioned that you were an FE2 racer, and you have a story that's kind of similar to some of the other folks in the club. The the, the SCCA tends to attract a good amount of military men and women. And uh, we interviewed earlier, one of our earlier episodes, a gentleman from Alaska region with military roots. So, and and you found your love for motorsports from your military service. Tell me how that started out. Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of interesting. I've always been interested in racing. My father used to race harness horses. So I huh. grew up in a racing family and uh, my dad was very motivated uh, to achieve in racing, and I was just fascinated by it. But I really didn't care too much for horses. <laughs> I have more <laughs> more for horsepower. So I was in the army, and I was in a, a military unit that had a unique mission. And part of that was a driving program that was fairly aggressive. And my first uh, training was at Bill Scott Racing and at BSR at Summit Point. I had a chance to go out there. And later on, I had a chance to go up to Tim O'Neill School, O'Neill Rally Car School and Car Control Center in New Hampshire. And uh, finally, I had a chance to go out to Bondurant and do some time out there with their government program. Right. So it was it was fantastic. And that's kind of where I, I really wanted to get into it. When I went up to Tim O'Neill School, of course, I got the rally bug. And then you go out to Bondurant and you see the, you know, the at the time they were using uh, the Challengers and the Chargers sure. and the Formula Mazdas. And when I saw that Formula Mazda, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is really something. A lot of folks might not know that uh, at Summit Point, because of its close proximity to Washington, D.C., a lot of the federal law enforcement agencies go out and do their 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 high performance you know, chase schools out at uh, at Summit Point. And it's a real popular location for that. And, you know, Summit Point is what? an hour outside of dc i guess if you if you're working hard at it just about uh probably an hour if you're driving the speed limit and right. you really have to watch that after going to a school like that about coming home <laughs> so how long from the point of doing those schools did you really stay I'm, i want to try to take a look at how to get behind like that formula mazda or something similar to it so when I was at O'Neill, I really kind of caught the rally bug and I thought that we were going to do a lot more rally driving. So my wife and I, she knew that I needed to do something a little different. I was, uh, I was uh, a skydiver and I was a, a halo guy in the, in the military. And eventually that <laughs> uh, through injuries, through a uh, shock to the spine, to everything else that 
it was time to start looking at doing something else. So to keep the adrenaline up, we decided to go racing because what could possibly go wrong, right? So <laughs> imagine that discussion because, you know, all of us have the discussion with our significant others, you know, about the dangers of racing and, and all of that. And, and, and when I got married, I, I had several girlfriends before getting married who thought this racing thing would go away, you know, and, and oh, I'll get him to change. And those became ex-girlfriends. And then <laughs> so when I first started dating my wife, I said, here's a simple deal. OK, and if this is a deal breaker, then we should just stop right now. You know, I will stop doing a lot of things and all of that. But racing is something that is I've been doing since I've been 16 years old. And no matter how long we're married or how long we're together, the minute you tell me I have to stop racing, I have a divorce lawyer in my Rolodex, and this will be the end of it. We've been married for 23 years, and she's never stopped me, asked me to stop racing. So it's a, it's a discussion. But imagine the discussion. You know, honey, I think you should maybe give up the skydiving, but go drive race cars. That's a safer thing to do. So it's, uh, I'm extremely fortunate. My wife and I met in the Army. Um, and she knew what I was doing then. Uh, she was very supportive of it. When I was on, I had an opportunity to be a member of the special operations command parachute team, which was all the demo work. And so she would, she would go to the event. She would support me with all of that. She knew that I had that side of me and from her being in the military, she understood that, Hey, you need to do something a little exciting. My, my wife, uh, had a very successful military career. She's, uh, was twice selected as a battalion commander retired wow. last year when I retired out of the reserves. Um, so she really knew what it was all about and it's been extremely supportive. She runs the pit crew for the, for the, for our team. Nice. Uh, she, she calls the race starts. She is really into it and she's what keeps us going. And before it Isn't was kind of battalion commander, the ultimate crew chief. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm not afraid to tell you who, who runs every part of the racing. So, <laughs> And probably every part of everything else, too, is my guess. Pretty much. Pretty much so. I have uh, one I'm, of those sleeping in the room next door as well. So, <laughs> I'm truly blessed to have her doing all of this with us. And, and it's been... What's her name? Let's give her some props. So it's Angela. Okay. And so uh, she, like I said, she's, she's very good at what she does. Uh, and, you know, has really brought a racing family together, which was, was really important. So awesome. the, the nice thing about this is that when I was in the air, when I was jumping, it, it's very individual. And most people think of racing as an individual sport. And what we learned was this is something we do together because when I was prepping my equipment, when I was packing my chute, when I was getting gear ready, that's a very individual effort with mm -hmm. skydiving. Even though we're part of a team and we're, we're jumping together, all the preparation is kind of individual. With the racing, as we all know, it's very team-oriented. And having Angie with me, just driving to the races when we're hauling the, the car there and we're in the, the truck together with our dog, Winston, and we get that time together. When we get out to the track prepping the car, I don't have to do anything because Angie's working on the car or Doc's working on the car. And I go out there and I help out, but it's so much more of a focused effort. And of course, with the checklist, running down the checklist, I mean, Angie's got that down in her head now that she knows what needs to be done with the car. And between her and Doc and Vinny and Mark and Ray, uh, it's it, it goes off like clockwork, which you would expect from a former battalion commander. Sure. So that brings up a very interesting topic and, 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 it, it didn't dawn on me. And, and it's funny because before this podcast, Kelton wanted to have a chat and, and talk about, you know, what we're going to do. He was, you know, he's a very buttoned up military guy. And, and I tried to explain to him that I, I don't typically do that because I loved the spontaneity of the discussion. And, and here's one of those moments. So, so packing your shoot is, if you do it wrong, you die. Uh, the what? nice thing about a parachute is a parachute wants to open. Right. So, <laughs> but, so yes. But you it, can mess it up, right? Oh, absolutely. So so you have a very vested interest in making sure you do it right. <laughs> you have the rest of your life to be sure that you made a right uh, choice on packing it. Exactly. But in a race car, you, you just said it. You, you're relying on other people to do it right. 
as a person who's very uh, you know interested in making sure that your shoot is right, how hard was it for you to kind of divorce yourself from the idea that you're not in control of all of the pieces of a race car? Because just like a parachute, if the race car is not done right, it can have really, really bad consequences. <laughs> Yes. Well, I, I think that also goes with the, with my military, my law enforcement background, that you rely on others in those situations and you have to have trust in your team right. and trust with your, with your friends. It, it it's uh, once you have that trust developed, I know things are right on the car that I, you know, of course you always want to double check because it, you're getting in the car, but I also know that uh, mine's a cursory look I've got, right. I've got Angie, who's looking over the car, you know, nut and bolt in the car, Doc and Mark and Vinny and, and Ray, who have looked at everything on the car. And when I get in there, everything's laid out. Right. And I, I go down to, they do this thing as part of the procedure. I know everything's done right. When I see my, my gloves laid out on the shock cover and that, that, you know, my uh, arm restraints are there. I, I know. Okay. We're, we're ready to go. Then, then I just kind of know about it and uh, very fortunate in that aspect. I think uh, the the best race teams at every level, whether it be in the SCCA or in IMSA or in IndyCar or Formula One, the best race teams are the most prepared race teams, are the ones that, that have the checklists and use them. You know, I, I'm a checklist fanatic. Every, every box in the in the garage has a checklist every box that goes into the trailer has a checklist if you take something out of a box during a race weekend you knock it off the checklist so i know to put it back in when i restock uh every team that has regular success every a blind squirrel can find a nut all the time but the the, the, the teams that win over and over and over again have that same military position that you're talking about. And and a team is like a military unit. You know, you have to, to, to trust your band of brothers and sisters to have done their job, you know, on a race car. I, 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 there's obviously not anywhere near the life and death situations that you are in the military, you know, it, I, and, and there's no comparison in that respect. But, you know, there is danger involved in this. And if it's done wrong, it can have some bad consequences. So I, I, I just caught, thought that process when you were talking about your, your parachute. And I'm like, wow, it must have been hard for him to, to kind of say, oh, my gosh, I'm giving up part of this. But then when you when you mentioned that it's the rest of the unit, it makes total sense. So so now from the Bondurants, from the three schools that you did with your with your work, were you able to qualify for an SCCA license with that? Or did you still have to go to another level to get into the SCCA to do your first race? Well, I, I was I, uh, with Bondurant. I was able to qualify for Got a it. license. And then I went and sought some training myself because I, I just wanted, I, I didn't feel prepared. I mean, I am absolutely what everybody dreads on a racetrack. My guy went to school and, like, and I bought a car and I was like, well, what could possibly go wrong? How hard could this be? And right. get out on the racetrack. And then, then you learn. So what those schools taught me was I I knew enough to know that I needed more. Right. Good, good, good. So did you, you, you of course started in something small like a Formula V or a Formula Ford <laughs> or a Formula 500, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I'll give you the story, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, and I know we've, uh, we've brought this up before. I am absolutely what everybody dreads getting on a racetrack. So I had caught the racing bug and my wife and I were talking about this and our, our son was of the, the right age at that time, my, my stepson, Ryan, where he was really starting to get interested in cars. And I was deploying again, I was deploying uh, to Afghanistan and we'd talked about this beforehand. So I'm watching Formula One in Afghanistan. She's watching Formula One back in the States. This was kind of our bonding moment. We talk on the phone and even because of the time difference, right. you know, we're st that was still something we could talk about. And she actually said, hey, have you ever thought about something like this? Not meaning Formula right. One, kind of meaning open wheel. Sure. And so, of course, the Internet's a great thing. It's also very dangerous, especially for your uh, your checking account. Mm -hmm. And so I got online. I started looking at cars. I found a car. I had emailed with the guy back and forth and I bought a car online site unseen and it happened to be a, a formula enterprise. And I need to go back just a little bit. So 
I had the fortune of being deployed with the daughter of one of the SCCA uh, former uh, presidents. Uh, uh, Sarah Winarka was there with me and her father, Jerry, sure. was, uh, was very involved. And he kind of had in between those that time of buying the car and uh, when Angie and I were talking about this, he'd taken us out to Summit Point and had showed us the different type of cars. And we just decided to jump into it head first. And we're like, well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a car, right? It's going to have a manual that's going to come with it. And there's going to be all these kind of people that will be able to help you with it. And you can take it to a shop and work on it. So we, we thought, you know, hey, as our saying goes, what could possibly go wrong? So uh, we jumped into it head first. I went and picked the car up as soon as I got back. Um, I actually went to Skip Barber when I was down in Florida picking the car up. And I was driving it back thinking, it's like, okay, I got a, a great car. This is going to be fun. I took it back to the garage and it's like, what do you mean? There's no manuals with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, and I spent four months trying to, uh, to go through the car and figure everything out. And I was at my wits end and uh, thank, thankfully because of the SCCA and the racing family out there, especially with FE2, I met a guy in DC named Eric Cruz and Eric Cruz is synonymous with FEs. Uh, he's been there since the beginning and he helped me out. And if it wasn't for Eric Cruz and his wife, Jill, I would not be into racing because I would have sold that car six months in and would have just chalked up my loss and all of that. But he went through the car and the individual had had the car before had had basically turned it into a rental. Mm -hmm. And that because uh, he lived in a marina when the parts would go bad on the car, he would replace them with what was available. So sure. there were literally there were literally tugboat parts on the car. Wow. <laughs> and so Eric, uh, Eric had helped me get the car back into shape and we turned it into a great car. And I could talk about the car forever because I absolutely love the car. I love the class. And with what they've done now with the FE2 conversion, the, the, it just really livened the car up. And I think you see that from the car counts and from the, the numbers that we have coming out to the races today. The SCCA and, and uh, SCCA Enterprises has done a great job on modifying the car. So let's talk about the <clears throat> FE2 for just a little bit, because not everybody who listens to Inside the SCCA is inside the SCCA. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this. So, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, let people know what the different classes are, what's available to them, how they might be able to get involved. I, I love your story because I think every class has a guy like that who is kind of like Papa Bear to the class and uh, and all of that. So. I, and, and it's great to be able to do that. And I think it's interesting for all of us to do that. And uh, surprising, surprising, you're, you're doing it in the FE2. So let's talk a little bit about FE2. And and because I don't think everybody understands how the different classes work in the in the SCCA at all. <laughs> some people in the SCCA <laughs> don't even understand it to, the, to, to some extent. But uh, FE2 is a spec class. And yes. when we say spec class, it, it, it means everything in the class from the tires that are used to what the engine has or doesn't have and what can be done. Everything is controlled by the rule book. Is the, is the engine actually sealed? Are there seals on the engine? There are. It's okay. the new. It's the new 2.0 uh, MZR engine from okay. Mazda. It's a, a fantastic engine. I think that they use the engine in, in NASA and their their Evo car, and right. they're, they're using it here. There's there's other places that are using it. The the engine has really livened the car up since we went from the older motor, which was the 2.3 liter, and that motor was out of production. So they went to this this uh, production motor, and it's it's just a fantastic motor. Got it. So uh, that's and and that's one of the reasons why Mazda can say, you know, more cars racing every weekend in the world are racing a Mazda than anything else, because every one of these uh, FE2 cars has a Mazda motor in it. And you've got your Miatas and all that kind of stuff. So and, and it's also it's a winged open wheel car. So, you know, there's that element to it, literally elements uh, on the wings. So so what does what's the driving style is the fe2 something that's you know pretty user friendly to a a young up and coming driver or is it something that you need to have a you know it's a big learning curve 
I think that as somebody as somebody's coming out of carding, which from somebody just recently gotten into carding, uh, you know, I, I think I did everything backwards. Uh, but for the kids coming out of carding and for the adults that that wanted to go racing and started in a cart and then are coming forward, uh, I think it's probably a good class to come into because it is a a spec class and the the costs are contained. You know what you're going to to be spending when you're coming out with the with the motor and the package and all of that. The wings are adjustable on the car. Um, they add some some good downforce to the car. I've had the unfortunate experience of knocking the nose off of a car and trying to get around Road America with it uh, one lap, and you definitely can tell a major difference in the in the car when that happens. Right. Um, uh, the, the, the new motor is, like I said, is very fantastic. I, I want to say, uh, uh, think Lee Rackley in the class, the old 2.3 liter motor, he got more than a hundred race weekends out of the motor, which is just unheard of in any kind of formula car class. We're hoping that Mazda makes such a good product. We're hoping this motor will last that long. I mean, you know, keeping your fingers crossed, but you never know so far so good and with the sequential transmission for somebody coming up. It's still a, uh, still a stick shift. It's not a paddle shift yet, which we'll discuss in a second. Um, but the, the new, uh, state of gearbox in that car, you don't miss shifts. It's, you know, it's got the, the, um, uh, the, uh, um, uh, auto blip for, for the upshift. So it's a no lift upshift, which is fantastic on that car. And it's a very easy car. I think to learn to drive, especially as people that have racing experience, we've had a lot of guys come into the class recently who are coming out of SRF or coming up from formula Ford or from formula Mazda, since the class has moved away and has gone to FX and have come into FE and they all seem to really like the car a lot. And I think that Roby and Mike Davies and Nikki LaRue out at, at um, SCCA Enterprises have worked really hard on the upgrade packages for the car. And what we really like about the car is, is that we, two, three years ago, we had a huge upgrade with the engine and the transmission, very expensive. What we liked about that was now they're building new cars with all of that in there and the cost didn't go up substantially. And they're going to introduce paddle shift here real quick and the auto blip feature for downshifts with the transmission, which it's already set up for. And they they have spaced it out so that the guys that are like me, that are that are club racers that go out there and you know it's our own dollars and right. we're we're having fun out there. They're 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 trying to space the costs out as best they can while still keeping the car relevant in the class. And Nobody knows if paddle shift is going to do anything for guys like me. You know, I learned to drive a manual transmission car uh, that the basically having a sequential shift is just fantastic. Nowadays, with younger people coming in I'm from from my military, my law enforcement career working overseas, we actually have to train people now how to drive manual transmission. Right. And right. and not a lot of people learn on those as we did. Um, so. I don't know if paddle shift's going to bring more people into the class or not. I don't know if it's going to be an advantage or not. Uh, for me, I think it's going to be a big learning curve, even on iRacing paddles are, are different to me. I, I still keep reaching down for the, for the, the stick shift. So, but it's, it's an upgrade package that helps keep the car relevant and keeps the car current. And I, I think that's the way that they're doing it um, with enterprises and through the CSR program, the, the customer service representatives. Uh, I, uh, I think it's fantastic. They, they are always trying to upgrade the car to keep it so that people want to race it. And so you're constantly uh, evolving. I think that's great. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. All right. I think this is a good spot for us to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get the news and we will continue our conversation about FE2. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about a pretty cool program that helps our, our military members get into race cars and enjoy the sport that we all love. We'll do that when we come back on Inside the SCCA. I'm Abby Shear, and when I'm on my way to an autocross, I listen to the Inside the SCCA podcast. When I need numbers for my autocross time trial or road race car, I go to autocrossdigits.com. Christian and his crew offer top quality magnetic and vinyl numbers. Their website is easy to navigate. The prices are great and most orders ship in four business days. If you need numbers for your car, check out autocrossdigits.com. Tell them the podcast guy sent you. Welcome back to Inside the SCA. 
Here's this week's headlines. The application window is open for the SCCA's inaugural enduro event at Sebring. The club is anticipating having more entries than available slots for the first event. In order to ensure a well-rounded, high-quality event, the entry requirements will include an application process. SCCA VP of Road Racing, Eric Pearl, says teams will be invited to enter based on their racing histories, regardless of the organization affiliation. The first step in the process is for a team to request an invitation. The tentative schedule for Sebring includes an optional test day on Thursday, March 31st, with a night practice the same evening for all inter-teams. Then, Friday morning qualifying and the race will consist of two separate segments. The first eight hours will take place on Friday, with the final 12 hours on Saturday. The race will end in the dark and finish with headlights on and fireworks. There's a link for the details in the show notes. New England Region has set its road rally schedule for the year. There are rally cross, rally sprint, and road rally events on the docket. The first event is a rally cross on January 15th. The final event is in December. Links in the show notes. If you would like to get some of your region's news in the podcast, send the details in an email to raceannouncerbrian at gmail.com. That's raceannouncerbrian, B-R-I-A-N, at gmail.com. For Inside the SCCA, I'm Alex Blansky. We're back here on Inside the SCCA. My guest, Kelton Jago. He is an FE2 driver. He's also a uh, retired member of our military. Thank you again for your service. And we're going to talk a little bit about a great program that he's involved with in just a minute. But uh, I want to get back to our discussion about FE2. And it was it, it's really interesting on this class because there are, in my opinion, too many classes in the SCCA. There are... T- six or seven different classes of the winged open wheel variety and for the most part they're either one of two types they're either a specish car the formula mazda was a spec car the fe2 was a spec is a spec car and and then there's the the uh the formula atlantic formula continentals which weren't spec cars uh, but we've got all these different classes, and sometimes it's hard to keep them straight. The FE2 is like the uh, Spec Racer Ford. Uh, it's, it comes from Formula Enterprises, and it's it's there to kind of be the entry level into that upper echelon of open-wheel racing in the SCCA. And you have found it to be extremely fun. T- t- tell me about how many how many races do you have now on your FE2 car since you've Ooh, um, between regionals and uh, the, the the majors and the super tour, the runoffs, I have, I, I would just have to estimate, I would say probably around 100 that I've had. But my car uh, is uh, chassis number 79, okay. which is about a 2008 build time. So it was around beforehand. And uh, the, the, guy that was racing the car for me, I had a, a chance to meet and Eric, uh, Eric Cruz is right. good friends with Joel Janko and who raced in, uh, he raced up to LMP three and was very active doing very well into his seventies yeah. in that car. And just a fantastic guy. Well, that chassis was his chassis. And so that chassis is one that, uh, it's pretty, fa- pretty famous video, right? If you get out and you watch it at the Baltimore grand prix, where the tire came off of one of the other cars, um, uh, Joel found it. Okay. And, uh, it the hard put the way. Car, yeah, exactly. And it put the car airborne. And so the car uh, had a big shunt there. And then of course they did a complete replacement of everything on the car. So I would say that car's got at, at, at least, uh, I would and Joel race that car for years. I would say probably, you know, 200 right, right. You know, weekends. I, I, and that's probably regionals and everything. And that might be pushing it for all I know. Cause I don't really know the history of the car because when I bought the car, I didn't get a logbook. Got it. And Got it. <laughs> so that was reconstructed. So, uh, and you mentioned the Baltimore Grand Prix. What a great event that was. Uh, yes. I, I, we did the racing wear radio show live from the Grand Prix the first two years. Well, I guess it was only two years that they did it, and we were very, very sad when it went away because it was really a well-put-on event. Uh, D.C. region was spectacular. D.C. region is spectacular helping put on these events, and what's also cool about it, it, there was another great event, which I don't know that you would remember. They did an IMSA weekend at what at the time was RFK Stadium. 
And yes. that was a fantastic event. We'll, I'll probably end up telling a story about that event somewhere down the road. Uh, but uh, props to the Washington, D.C. region uh, for their ability to help out and, and be part of the organizers of these pro events. They do such a great job. And uh, that will be another podcast that we talk about, our regions involved with our pro series to help them put on their events because without – the SCCA regions, a lot of what IMSA and SCN and IndyCar does wouldn't happen, uh, or at least uh, it would cost them a whole lot more to hire a bunch of people to do it. But uh, so, so with your FE2 car, now, did you go to the runoffs this year? I did. Okay. I, uh, so, and I got a unique story behind that one. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm currently attending the National War College and for my, for my employer. And so my school schedule is very strict. It's an in-person school. You have to be there. There's no questions asked. Uh, if you miss a day, you don't graduate the National War College. Until you tell them you're going to race in a national championship <laughs> so, event. And, and so I told them I was going to go race in a national championship event. They thought it was cool, uh, but they have a very strict attendance policy. So I had, like I said, I, I have a racing family and I have to say that about all of FE2 because they will race you tooth and nail on the track, but they will do anything they can, every single driver, every single team to get you out on the track so you can race. Right. And that's what I love about our, our racing family. Everybody to the new guys that, that are coming into the sport, like Bailey Manette, who's has some a very famous racing family. And he's coming into FE2 and racing with us all the way to the to the older guys that are the stalwarts of the class, the Lee Rackleys, the, the Ray Masons, the Paul Schneiders, the Scott Redditch, um, all of them that are in there. They, they will do anything they can to help you out. And uh, like I said, one of the guys that's that, that's in the, the, the class with me that kept me in racing is Eric Cruz. If it wasn't right. for Eric and his wife, Jill, I would have given up a long time ago. So they, they're just absolutely fantastic people. So when I went to the runoffs this year, I flew out, which it was basically for me, it was a ride and drive, which I've always, you know, kind of made fun of those people because it's like, well, they don't, you know, they, they're not going it. They don't get the whole experience. They're not towing the car out there. They're not doing this. You just fly in. It's not, not the racing experience, but that was me. Like I said, I, I'm that guy. Um, so I flew out on Saturday I did the Sunday practice day, which was the the only day that we, we could get into. And then I kind of threw it all out there. I, I flew in on Thursday. I did the Thursday qualifying session, which I, I, we started very well. We started our finishing position from where we were at in 2017. We started in 22nd position. And I was, I was very happy with that. And we ended up 11th. We got, we raced our way all the way up to eighth at one time. And, uh, unfortunately I got a little greedy coming out of the 1314 complex and put the car around and had to race my way back up to 11th, but we had a really good start and we had really good restarts. So we, uh, we were very happy with 11th at the end and, and we did end up with a Sunoco hard charger at the, uh, at the end of the race. So yeah. So so interesting, and it just dawned on me that you mentioned that you'd gone to the runoffs. Our first guest on the show was Jason Pribble, who finished right in front of you at the runoffs. Yes. And, and we had a long discussion about arrive and drive and getting started in racing. So this is a, a wonderful full circle because, you know, being a car guy and, and being a, a little bit of a, a curmudgeonly gray beard kind of SECA member, I have gotten over the years a lot of parents come up to me, how do I get my kids started in racing? And I tell them that it, it, it you know, first of all, I, I make a joke that don't. But uh, because it's it'll make you go broke. But <laughs> but uh, but the, the thing is, I always try to tell people to rent first to go to and, and, and to try to go as, as good as the SECA schools are their their a pro school does things different. They teach you different things. And, and so I, my, my advice is always go to a pro school if you if they've never been in carts you know, and they're really young kids, I'll, I'll tell them to go to carts and, and get that experience, you know, but my, my, I always tell people, no matter what they're doing in racing, rent first, because you may find you don't like the car you're, you bought. And that's an extremely expensive proposition to buy a car, 
go out there and find out it's it's too dangerous for you if you don't like open wheel it's too expensive to run all these kinds of things so i gave jason and his dad props for going out and getting an arrive and drive deal and and working with the team and getting to his runoffs in his first season ever racing in an, a, a car with a shifter uh he didn't even know how to shift a car before he got into his first uh, SCCA car it was awesome and his story is fantastic so if you want to listen to that it's the first episode uh, shameless plug for inside the SCCA go back to the first episode listen to Jason's story it's a fantastic story about it and it's also a one of those kind of cool father-son stories which I just love telling but you you did it the wrong way or, or you did it a different way there's no wrong way to do it uh, you went oh, out no and- I think it's safe to say that probably <laughs> mine was the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> but you finished, you know, whatever your journey was, uh, you came in, I'm looking at the the results right now, you came in 10th at the runoffs this year, and that, uh, 11th, that, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. No, it was it, it was really great, and uh, I really like Jason, so like I said, FE2, uh, well, how I promote the classes, it really is kind of a family, because we all get together, we all talk, we laugh, and we joke about it. And then we get out on the track. And then afterwards, you know, we we're all, okay, we did this. Or if you have a problem with somebody on the track, which happens as we know, it's really nice because, you know, you can go and actually talk to the individual and that's all it's going to be as a conversation. So I really love our racing family and Jason's part of it. His dad, what, what fantastic people. And Jason and I, uh, you know, we were in the, the majors together up at, uh, at road America. And we went into turn three, um, and four together side by side, and Jason could have very easily pushed me off the track and would have been within his rights, but because he's a respectful kid and he knows how to race, he gave me plenty of racing room. And, yeah. uh, and, and that, that just goes to show that it's like, everybody's out there. Nobody wants to cost people money. They want to race. They want to race fair. And we want to have a good time. And Jason's part of that. He's a fantastic young man. and is going to have a great racing career. I think it also goes to show you that when you're racing on a very, very parent-driven shoestring budget, you know, taking you out takes him out and costs his dad money. And that's not a ride you want to go home with sitting next to dad after you've balled up a race car. It's going to cost him $25,000 to fix. Hang so, on. This is going to get expensive. Exactly. Dad, um, got college, Notre Dame, not going to happen. We're going to go to Glencoe Community. You know, uh, <laughs> so but uh, that's pretty cool. All right, let's take a a, a, a shift of gears here, and we, we're going to talk it a little bit, and we're not going to talk real deep into the discussion because um, we're going to have uh, we're going to have the organiz- organizers of Racing for Heroes on the show, hopefully, and, and we'll get much deeper into it. Uh, but you know, being a military member and the connection with motorsports and military is runs very deep. Uh, you're involved with an organization called Racing for Heroes. Tell us just a little bit about that. So I won't get into it too deep because you're going to have Mike Evoch and them on the show, but Racing for Heroes is it's a 501c3 uh, veterans organization, which you can donate to the organization to, to help it out. And that's what keeps it going. Uh, it is tax deductible. So what I want to talk about with them, though, is they bring veterans out and get them involved in motorsports. And as we were talking before about it being a team effort, I would say that when you leave the military, that's probably what you miss the most is, is that it's that shared hardship when you're there. It's that we're all in this together. And that that team effort to get things going when people leave the military, I think that's what they miss the most. And that's what Racing for Heroes does. It takes it takes veterans, disabled um, or people that just want to be a part of the team. And it gets them focused again on motorsport and gets them involved in that team environment. It's so important what he does. Mike deals with a lot of people that have traumatic brain injuries, uh, TBIs, uh, post-traumatic stress or other service related conditions that they, they feel that, Hey, I want to be a part of it again, but can I really? And Mike brings it out there. He puts guys in pit crews. He puts them organizing events. He places them around there so that they can feel and they can be a part of the team again. And and that is so important for our veterans when they leave service, that they have some place that they can go. And I can't say enough about them. I run their their, uh, decals on the side of the car because I believe in the organization. I believe in what Mike has done for it. And SCCA saw enough and Mike and his program that they gave him a grant. And what Mike did was, is he took his, um, his GT Corvette 
he put a side seat in it. And what he's doing is he's giving veterans ride arounds in it. The ones that are disabled enough that they can't do that, but still they, they crave some excitement. They crave, crave the fun, or they're just not sure that they, oh, as motorsport for me, is this something I want to get involved in? Right. He gives them ride arounds at VIR and the track owner down at VIR, Connie, and then Kerrigan who manages the track, they give the track time to Mike so he can go do that with the veterans because they believe in it yeah. enough also. I think that's so important. And what a great organization that race Racing for Heroes is their their website is racingforheroes.org. Um, please look them up on the website, and if uh, you can contribute, please do that. And a big shout out to Connie and to Kerrigan at VIR for providing that opportunity for veterans to get a chance to get out on the track. They're they're fantastic people, and with the runoffs coming up there this this year again. I, I think everybody's going to be excited to see all the improvements that Kerrigan has done to the track from when that we ran in 2019 to when it's going to be there. I think that everybody's going to be really pleasantly surprised and we're going to have a great runoffs again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I hear that story over and over again, whether it be Team Rubicon, which was put together as a service organization for uh, uh, mostly what well, started with with former military members uh, who came together to go to, you know, uh, natural disasters and any other place around the world where they're needed to help out and uh, or it's whether it be a go ruck program where it's former special forces who put together these weekends for stupid people like me who want to think they could be a seal someday and, and go and, and do these you know 12 hour 24 hour 48 hour immersive experiences but they're run by former military members I hear it over and over again that when especially people uh, who are in the military for the, the full 20 years plus uh, when they get out they just don't have you don't get that same sense of camaraderie and teamwork in the private sector in almost all cases and and it really kind of sometimes they flounder and 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 kind of lose their purpose in life which is so unfortunate because they've given so much to our country and so much time and effort uh, for us and and it's hard for us not to be able to give give more and do more so uh, I, I I love what racing for heroes does we're going to put a link in the show notes so don't try to pull out your piece of paper while you're driving and you know get into a crash but we'll, we'll get all that stuff from the show notes and and uh, like I said, we're going to have them on the show. I'm going to get some stickers and run them on the side of my car. And and I don't know if they do anything on the West Coast, but maybe we can try to figure out a way to to get their program working out here. And, and maybe I can help them out with that. And and because uh, there's so many people that we're involved with, you know, one of my best friends in Cal Club, you know, he's a former Marine and he runs the Marine Corps flag on his on his trailer every weekend. And and uh, that's how I know how to find Gabe is I just look up at the trailers and find the flag flying and and, you know, take my little my little scooter over there. So uh, it's 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 long been a part of, you know, I mean, the SCCA was created by former military guys. They were the original, the original SCCA members. So, and, uh, and, and we've got stories we're going to tell on the podcast about some of those folks as well. And, uh, I, I just, it's, uh, it's really an impressive thing that, uh, that, uh, so many military members have come and be part of what we do. And, and like I said, we can't thank them enough. So, all right. So we're getting to the point now where we got to kind of look to wrap this thing up and uh you've already mentioned by name like a half a dozen times your your crew members so i i they're, they're important to you but uh let's talk a little bit what are are there do you have any sponsors businesses that you that support you along the way is there anybody you want to mention well i i really can't accept sponsorship because i'm still in the government God. when i retire you know i'll be i'll make shameless plugs for that as as best i can so right now my <laughs> sponsor is, is basically my wife um, so, uh, th and she's very thankful when I don't crack the car up. I can, I can tell you that. Does she want to um, sink your sponsors for you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, um, uh, we're, we're very fortunate. She's listening in right now, smiling. Uh, so, uh, as she, as she's looking over at me, um, uh, I would like to, to bring up, uh, of course, uh, Eric Cruz and, uh, Cruz associates, his, his company, because I wouldn't be racing if it, it wasn't for Eric. I I'd also like to, to bring up our, our teammate who I haven't brought up yet, which is Craig Haltom. I mean, Eric basically formed a small racing team, which we call safety third racing. Um, and, uh, Craig's on that team with Eric and I, and we travel around and do everything. And Craig's recovering from a very bad accident at, <clears throat> at road Atlanta, uh, a year ago. And, uh, and so we're hoping to get him back in the car this year. Of course, my, my, my teammates and my crewmates, um, everybody from, uh, from Frank Malone and Vinny to Mark Walthu, um, to, to Jill Cruz, my beautiful wife, Angie, 
um, and to, to Ray and Zach Rivard, who are going to try and run with us in the Enduro series. And that Corvette that we were talking about for Racing for Heroes, we're going to try and run that in the, the Enduro series, which for SCCA is very exciting. I can't wait for that to happen. I'd also like to bring up something unique that happened. And that is uh, my wife wanted to buy me a Christmas present. Uh-oh. And I wanted, I want yeah. So, um, so I, I said, you can buy me anything that starts with an F and ends with Arari. And <laughs> so, so she, she didn't quite bite on that one, but um, she, uh, I, I wanted a way to drink inside the car and uh, I was using camelbacks and all of that. And it just wasn't working out. So she went all in and got the fluid logic system for me. And why I want to plug them really quick is because something unique happened out of that. She got a call from the owner of the company Wow! who said, uh, he goes, Hey, I'm preparing a very big order for a, for a customer right now that's involved in, in NASCAR. And he said, I'm sorry, but I didn't look the online orders right away. And it's been a couple of days since you ordered. I just wanted to let you know, I hadn't forgotten about you. And he says, I want to know who this lady is. Who's ordering this for an FE two. Cause he didn't know that we were using an FE two and sprint racing. And he had a nice conversation with, with Angie about this. And I just thought it was so special that a, a, a company owner, Ed, decided to make the call just to check and be sure that he was getting everything right with the car, everything that we needed, and wanted to know more about it. I, I, that just shows about racing, that the racers, that they care, and that the owners, that they care, and that they want to know more about that. I, I found that so unique to racing that I wanted to be sure and give them a, a shameless plug on this book because they deserve it nice nice well maybe i'll get a hold of ed next year and have him on our 12 days of christmas special and and feature a product from his company that that sounds fantastic which is why i bought my which is why i bought the unfair advantage which you which you plugged and i also bought um uh fitness for racing drivers that uh, Mark Martin had had uh, authored. So I bought both of those books because of the 12 days of Christmas. Two great books. Uh, I've learned a lot from Unfair Advantage, and I wish I would have done more with the fitness book because <laughs> then I wouldn't have to be doing triathlons uh, <laughs> at age 50 and, and struggling through them, but uh, to try to stay in shape to go racing. But, uh, yeah, it's fantastic, and, and, and there's so many businesses that have touched the SECA in various different ways and for the for the vast majority of them whether you know you have your story I can everyone has a story about someone who came together and and you know help them with advice if nothing else you know I I I love you know when a business is able to help a club racer with a little bit of something but sometimes advice is more important than the actual monetary whatever they could give and uh you know these people have been doing it they've made it their lives and they're so smart about the stuff that they do so uh it's great to see that the uh, you know a business owner would do something like that that's fantastic and while we're at it just real quick just for the 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 scca and their 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 customer service representative programs that they have for fe2 i i cannot say enough about fe2 if you want to come out and race the costs are contained you know what you're going to be putting forward in it i think that scca scca enterprises and the customer service reps do such a great job i like to put a plug in there real quick for kevin down at comprint because anytime i need anything for the car he is right there with it and i use the the customer service representative program when the car's in virginia and eric's shop Hey, we, we buy our parts from the regional representative there. And when the car's here in, in Michigan, uh, Scott Redditch and Alliance Autosport, we buy our parts from there. Same thing. You make a phone call, you say you need something, and it's on its way. And I just recently had a chance, uh, uh, Tony uh, Grau and his son, Max, ra- he races in FE2, and he runs Rencraft. And their, their customer service program, I went to a race, I w- ran out of something, I went over to him. Same thing. It was to me immediately taken care of and a lot of advice on from all three of those guys on, hey, this is what you should be looking at. This is what you should be doing. I'm very impressed with the program. I can't say enough about the customer service representatives. Well, and and the SCCA, all all of their spec class programs, FE2, I think, is now the only open wheel spec class they used to have the the oh gosh people are going to say oh brian's going to show how old he is now they had the shelby can-am 
which was a spec car, which is now a few of those cars are now running in the P1 or P2 class. That was a spec program. And of course, the most popular and famous of all kind of in the holiday spirit spirit here uh, is the you know spec racer ford which of course started as sports renault back in the day when i was doing it again showing how old i am and uh, but the those programs obviously you have to start with a good platform you have the car's got to be good but without a series of customer service representatives or csrs around the country to support the people who buy the cars these these programs don't work they just don't yeah. work you know, and that's why they work. The cars are good cars. They're safe cars. They're reliable cars. They last a long time. In most cases, you don't have to change transmissions and motors very often. But, you know, if there aren't the support, the knowledge that's given, the, 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 the parts when you need them and all of that, these programs don't work. So uh, say, say what you will about the success or lack of success in some of this stuff. You know, that's the one thing that's really been a success is having these CSR programs. So I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. So, Kelton, I got to tell you, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I, I look forward to following you, and um, I love being able to go back and talk about our past guests and, and their successes. So I haven't done this yet on the show, so I, I make a joke usually at the end about it would be great if you would leave a comment, and if you don't want to leave, if you want to leave a bad comment, leave it on someone else's podcast page. But in all serious, folks, you know we've been doing this now. We're going on three, two months, almost three months. This the I, I can't, you know, this is going to run right after the first of the year, and and I can't express enough gratitude for the support and the comments and the, the clicks and the listens that we've gotten so far. It's been just a, the success of the podcast as far as people listening is 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 beyond my expectations and I can't thank you enough. But I am going to ask for one more thing. However you listen to the show, whether it be on your iPhone, through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or you know Android, Google, wherever you listen to the podcast, if you would go to your podcast page leave a however their system is whether it's a review or click a star if it's five stars i really would appreciate five stars you know but however your platform you know you're able to give feedback if you would go and do that the more feedback the podcast gets the more it's featured on the podcast platform and why that's important is because as much as i love talking with the club members and and i love having club members listen one of the goals of the podcast is to get people who aren't in the scca gearhead people car people to listen to the podcast and go hey we should go check out this SCCA thing. It sounds pretty cool. And one of the ways that we can do that is by getting people to go to their podcast platforms, leave a review, a positive review. The more people that do that, we get featured on their homepage or when someone puts in racing, you know, the inside the SCCA podcast might be the second thing that pops up versus the 10th thing that, po- t- thing that pops up. So I don't usually shamelessly ask for people to say nice things about a podcast, but that's how it works, frankly. That's how the algorithms work. And if I don't shamelessly ask for that support, that's uh, it doesn't happen. So please go do that. We really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of Inside the SCCA. Like I said, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe on whatever platform you have. On social media, you can like us and get updates on the show, Racing Wire Net on Twitter. There's also a new Inside the SCCA every week. We appreciate you listening. I can't thank you enough. Have yourself a great week and go play with cars. Hi, I'm Dorsey Schrader, and this is Inside the SCCA. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.